Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Root, root, root for our home team. A new pirate generation. Everybody shout, let's go Bucks! And let's go Bucks! This is the 2023, I guess, 2024 transition into the next season. This is a Rum Bunter Radio off-season preview special, uh, whatever noun you want to call it. We are back to break down what is ahead for this upcoming off-season, what is going to be a big off-season, what has to be a big off-season for the Pittsburgh Pirates as we get set to arrive at 2024, as we get set for year number four of the Ben Sherrington regime. Uh, this offseason is obviously going to see hopefully some, you know, important roster additions at certain spots, uh, you know, some stability to this rotation, of course, as well. But before we get into any of that, got to welcome back Nick Caparoso. Excited to have you on, man. Um, you know, I want to get your take to start here on this past season. We didn't have you for the, the season breakdown, so I want your, your letter grade. I know you're a teacher as well here, so just going to get a grade from you on the year as we get it started. Excited to hear your thoughts on everything, Nick, and welcome back to the podcast. Marty Leap with us, as always, and uh, you guys listening, wherever you're listening tonight, thank you for joining us, and be sure to check us out on rumbunter.com as well. You can find all of our articles, breaking down what we're going to talk about tonight, previewing this offseason, recapping 2023, looking ahead, and uh, looking at Q. Brian Hayes, who's finally been given his Gold Glove Award after years of robbery, which you could call it. Key Brian Hayes is named the 2023 Gold Glove recipient for third baseman in the National League. Going to need your thoughts there as well, Mr. Caparoso. And uh, Nick, I just threw 100 questions at you, but I want your letter grade. I want your thoughts on Key Brian Hayes. And um, good to see you, man. Welcome back. Uh, I thought this was the year, you know, and, you know, I'm happy to be back overall. I give the team a, a, a solid B for the year. You know, we saw a win improvement. And, you know, at the end of the day, that that's all that matters is this team did add wins. Is there questions? Could they have done more? Yeah, sure. You know, and that's hopefully something we'll address this off season, but overall it's, it's hard to be um, upset with, with the final result. Um, in terms of Hayes, you know, it it just finally, like you said, he gets he gets his award, and I I thought it it was going to happen this year. You could just even watching Arenado play against the Pirates, you know, you could see that he wasn't making some of the plays that that he had used to. Then sometimes you would see Hayes go out and make that same play like an inning or two later against them. So, you know, I definitely think it's you know it seemed like it was moving in that direction. I think fans across baseball started to you know, realize how good Cabrian is over there at third base, which is obviously, you know, a big boost as well as when you start getting more of that national attention. So, and then of course, you know, what helps with that is the bat coming alive, alive late in the season, especially, you know, if he, if he can come out swinging the way he did for, you know, the better half of the, 
you know, 2023 season, then, you know, he's going to be more than just, you know, a gold glove third baseman. <laughs> 100%. Uh, and, you know, excellent letter grade there as well. I think B is fair. I think you got to be as well, Marty. Um, your thoughts on Key Brian Hayes winning that gold glove? Yeah. If anything, it's overdue. Like, he should have won it last year as well. But, you know, he I actually think- probably had a better case last he year. Did. He, had a better, he had a better defensive season in 2022 than 2023. I mean, he was still the best defensive third baseman in baseball this year and led all of baseball and outs above average, regardless of position. And I think it was second defensive run saved. But that just kind of goes to show how good he is that he had a, uh, a step back from the year before and still was first in baseball, regardless of position in one defensive metric and second in another. Um, yeah, it's clear at this point. He's the best defensive third baseman in baseball. He has surpassed Nolan Arenado in that. I mean, I I would assume as long as he's healthy, we're going to see him go on an Arenado kind of run. You know, I I don't think he'll ever win 10 in a row like Arenado did, but I definitely think this is going to be the first of, you know, four, five, six, maybe more gold gloves for him. And just, you know, congratulations to him. Like you said, Nick, the offense was big the way he finally came along offensively. Cause I mean, even though gold glove is a defensive award, let's be honest, people look at the offense also with it. Um, and yeah, if he can take what he did last year from the end of May to the end of the season and do that for a full year, you're looking at like a five war kind of player. So uh, yeah, great season for key and just great to see him finally cap it off with that gold glove award that he honestly again should have won in 2022 as well. He's the name. He won 10 in a row. The bat, uh, you know, still, as far as your career goes, obviously a guy that will end up in the Hall of Fame one day. Um, you know, do you think people are aware of what Key Brian Hayes is as probably now the best defensive third baseman in all of baseballers? He's still kind of the Pirates' best kept secret in that that regard. I think it's a little bit of that still, honestly. You know, I think some of these numbers we're talking about, you know, back to back seasons of twenty plus defensive runs saved, like. That's like incredible, you know, like he led baseball last year at 24 this year. He had like, I think it rounded up to 22 maybe. And there was only two guys ahead of him. And, you know, one was Tatis and in the outfield and, you know, it's just, uh, the other one was Jimenez. That's who it was uh, in Cleveland. So in the, in the American league, like, like Marty said, the fact that that's kind of a down year for him, but, you know, you. I don't think you still will see him getting the recognition he deserves. And unfortunately, you know, I think, you know, I think the platinum glove will give us a good idea of that, honestly, because it's a fan vote. I'm sure the Pirates fans are going to be voting, but at the same time, you know, the market size is the market size, right? So, you know, I think it will be telling, if, you know, if if he wins that, then yeah, definitely. I think it, Hey, like it's not just here in Pittsburgh, but across the leagues, noticing how gifted he is over there. But if if not, I think it's probably going to be the case. And you know, I think it's just one of those things that people don't realize, like how good his numbers are defensively. Um, just because it's it's also one of those things. It's not easy to just find defensive numbers, you know. Like defensive runs save, like like Marty said, outs above average. Like there's all these numbers are kind of like, you know, not even secondary numbers, but even further, right? Everyone's looking at the offensive numbers, war, that you know, um, that sort of stuff. But 
fielding numbers aren't as easy to find. So unless you're really seeing that guy play like we do every day, it's it's kind of hard uh, to get that exposure um, when you're playing on, you know, a team that's not winning either. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I think some of the highlights from these past few seasons have gotten national attention, but still, you know, you don't, you really can't see that consistency in the numbers uh, because it's, you know, it's impressive. Uh, it's more than that. It is platinum level. Um, so we'll see, you know, that is a fan vote. It's a great point there uh, to Nick. And, you know, as we kind of reflect on this 2023 season, looking into 2024, obviously um, I think we're okay at third base, but the rest of this infield we need to address first base. Uh, I think the first thing we might've circled when kind of looking at this off season, the pitching right there with it, uh, some outfield to talk about as well. Essentially, there's five things. I think we're looking at big topics this offseason. So uh, in no particular order here to start, gentlemen, let's rank these five categories, uh, topics, whatever you want to call them. Basically, the, the things that the Pirates need to address the most. Those five, the rotation, first base, Andrew McCutcheon, what you want to do there uh, as far as history agency goes, a Mitch Keller extension, and uh, the second base Locking that down, kind of determining what you want to do there as well. Nick, you want to get us started here uh, just ranking these. In your opinion, one to five, what is the most important thing for the Pirates to address this offseason? Yeah, I think first is going to be starting pitching for me. Um, You know, that's one of those spots that we saw quickly last year how um, things cannot turn out and how that can seriously affect your rotation. We saw the steps back from like Luis Ortiz, Rowanzi completely disappeared. You had Vince Velasquez in the middle of the year. You lost Brew Baker at the beginning of the season. So you know you're going to have that type of stuff that's going to happen in the future. So bringing in some starting pitching this offseason helps reduce that risk. And, you know, I think that kind of goes into point number two for me, which is Mitch Keller. Um, You know, there was talks that, they did start talking extension last year. Um, you know, he made the all-star game and he started to regress there at the, uh, after the all-star game, but he bounced back uh, towards the end of the season, pitched better and kind of got that confidence back in, in the fan base that, Hey, yeah, he has figured it out. So, you know, I think locking him up would be obviously good for the starting rotation, but again, just, a positive message to, to the fan base of what, you know, is, is hopefully occurring here, um, you know, starting next year. Um, Then from there, I would say first base, it's been, you know, an issue for the pirates for, you know, basically as long as I've been alive in the grand scheme of things. Um, But, you know, especially since uh, John Jay, so has left town, which, you know, people can critique all they want, but, you know, John Jay, so he did what he was brought here to do, and that was to get on base. But anyhow, he, uh, the Pirates need to figure that out, you know, and I, I, I think it's time to go and just make an external move there and bring in a guy who, you know, you can feel confident putting over there instead of just trying to patchwork it and figure out, you know, oh, like, you know, who's, who's hot right now and who can put on a first basement. <laughs> That's what we saw last year. So let's get that figured out. Next up, I would say Andrew McCutcheon, fourth on the list. I don't highly prioritize bringing Kutch back just because I think it's kind of one of those things at this point. If Kutch wants to come back, he's going to come back. 
Um, you know, I don't think it's going to be anything outside of what we saw last year, one year deal, probably like five to 6 million or something like that, which is, I think what he got about last year. Um, you know, there's questions about his health. I don't think him resigning is strictly is going to be as a DH. You know, we saw him in the outfield a little bit at the beginning of last year, and they got away from that because of health. So, you know, I think it would definitely be um, from the get-go him DHing. Um, and lastly would be second base. Uh, second base, the good news is they have several candidates already in-house for second base. So, you know, unless they were able to acquire somehow a – you know, more proven commodity that could lock down that spot, even though they don't really need to necessarily. But, you know, I think they they definitely have candidates. Paguero kind of came onto the scene last year, you know, and started to show that potential that he has. Yeah, you have guys like Bay who can play there. Um, who am I missing? Triolo. Nick Gonzalez potentially. So, I mean, there's four guys there and that that's with them getting rid of Rodolfo Castro. That's with them getting rid of Tucapita Meccano. And unfortunately for Meccano is probably because of that, you know, he's fifth on the depth chart at second base at this point and Triolo passed them up as a utility guy. Right. So that's kind of where I'm at. Second base while is a question mark. The good news is, is I don't think they need to, you know, necessarily be aggressive and figuring that out the most suggestive thing would be if they make some trades you know this off season and you know if they trade more from that that position of depth prospect was no doubt i love it a very solid uh one if i mitch keller number two i didn't didn't expect it but uh i think that is um extremely valid marty what do you got there on the uh on the one to five yeah, for starters, definitely going starting rotation number one as well. Nothing's more important in baseball than starting pitching, obviously. Um, and the Pirates starting rotation is not in a good spot right now. Um, I mean, outside of Keller, you have Johan Oviedo, and that's it. And neither of those guys, maybe Keller is, is that top of the rotation arm. I mean, Keller's definitely a top like two arm rotation, but Oviedo is not, and just you're you're not gonna be a good team without good starting pitching. Um, I go first base number two. Because right now it's it's a it's a black hole. There there is nobody in this organization ready to play first base on a daily basis at the major league level. I mean, if you look down to the farm system, this is a good farm system, but they, they have no first baseman. I just, I mean, Nick mentioned as long as we've been alive, they haven't really had a first baseman. Really, in team history, they've never really <laughs> had a whole lot of first base, which is just mind boggling. Um, so yeah, they need to go all in there. You know, obviously the obvious choice is Reese Hoskins in free agency. Are they going to pay what it's going to take? I don't know, but there's no reason for them not to go all in on a guy like Hoskins. Um, at number three, I at number three would probably go with McCutcheon because of this. I think rather or not Kutch comes back impacts other offseason moves quite a bit. I, I agree, Nick, if McCutcheon returns – he is not solely a DH again. You want him playing some outfield. But if he does not, I think that kind of solidifies Henry Davis as your designated hitter, right? So then you're looking to add an outfielder potentially. Or even if it doesn't, even if you still want to play Davis in right field, that still leaves DH open. That's another spot you'll have to address in free agency or via trade 
or depending on who you would then move there, could open up spots elsewhere on the roster. I would go second base at number four, just because, again, right now there's a lot of options internally, as Nick read off. Um, I may lean Jared Triolo at the moment. I think he, he had a really good September. Um, all in all, did some really nice things in the majors this year, and I think might be the best all-around player of the group. And I'm going to go to Keller Extension 5, because I am basing mine off of solely constructing your roster for 2024. Mitch Keller's here no matter what in 2024. That's why I'm going to put that extension, getting that done at number five out of those five things. Um, now, I might honestly say that the Keller extension may be the most likely to happen of those things potentially, other than they're going to add starting pitching in some fashion. But I think a Keller extension is more likely – than a big time starting pitcher addition it might be more likely than what people would consider a big time addition of first base also. So, but I think it's the least important just because you're going to have Mitch color in 2024, no matter what. And like I said, I'm ranking my five based on the importance to constructing a roster, um, potentially capable of trying to compete for a postseason birth in 2024. Counterpoint Mitch Keller only has two years of team control left. The Pirates would be smart then to not take Mitch Keller into this season and instead trade him and get him what they can for best value right now and not invest that money in. I would normally is if the Pirates want to have continued success, that would be the logical, you know, more. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but with. Like Snell, you know. What I mean? Yeah, but with, with the current makeup of this starting rotation, if you <laughs> need Mitch Keller, you're not winning in 2024. <laughs> I, I do understand that as well, but I'm just saying, I don't think, I think a, a, a an extension might be more important and more on on the radar than we don't realize. Oh, I agree with that. It's just. I don't know. If get him extended, then it is a little bit of a, hey, next offseason, you know, he's probably gone if they don't get him extended, regardless of what happens this year. Yeah, but by next offseason, too, you might also have Anthony Solomito and Jared yeah, Jones and sure. Mike Burrows, and it's easier to do that. But I, I think a big part of it, and I think we all agree, this might be a, like, save-your-job kind of season for Ben Charrington coming up. And if it is – you're, you can't, you just, you can't do that. You, you gotta win. You gotta yeah. try. To win this year. What I'm saying is, if you don't sign him to an extension this offseason, then that tells me that there's probably not going to be an extension, which tells me see you next offseason. I agree with that completely. But again, I think next offseason you could be in a position to potentially do that. Because can you count on all of those starters to pan out? No. But between Skeens, Jones, Solomito, Burroughs, you know, those you better guys, have some of them. I'll see you guys later. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done with the podcast, especially schemes. Like, I mean, if, I even if, know some, if some stroke of just pure evil, Paul schemes does not pan out, I might just go jump off the roof of my house and give up on it because I literally can't sit here and pretend to be optimistic if if none of those guys work out. Like, and again, that's what I'm saying. Like, you got to think at least two of them pan out for you next year you can slide them into the rotation you still have Oviedo someone else will come along from somewhere you add a guy or two this offseason and then you're in a position to potentially deal Mitch Keller next offseason 
But yeah, I, again, I get what you're saying. And I agree that if an extension doesn't have a now opening day, it doesn't get done. But in terms of constructing your roster for 2024, Keller's on that roster already. Unless that's the right and your uh, second baseman's probably already on the roster too, because I agree with you. You're so not gonna call and they offer you Bryce Miller, you know, right out the gate. You know, tomorrow, you know, and I'm not even saying they would ever do that, but I'm just saying, like, your roster's well, not that's, set. That's different because Bryce Miller just takes his spot in the rotation. They're not that's totally different. You imagine <laughs> maybe Listen. take on Walker, bring him back. You remember those days? God, do you and Taylor If if they would call and offer that trade, what's with me in Seattle pitching? Prospect? It really is like <laughs> Seattle's entire front office should be fired immediately. But I, yeah, but again, that's different though too. If, if you're moving Keller and getting a pitcher like that in return, it's kind of a wash because they just take Keller's spot in the rotation for 2024. The only yeah. difference is you have that guy long term. And he's better. <laughs> he probably is better. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Completely just, you know, devil's advocate hypotheticals here, you know, but yeah. I, uh, I think moral, the moral of the story of the night is there's no duo in the world that equals envy and hard eyes more than Nick Caparoso and Seattle Mariners pitchers. <sighs> what? <laughs> well, you know, through all of it, uh, I think I was swung there. I, I, I'm kind of with you there, Nick. I, make the deal happen. I mean, this is, you know, what is it, uh, what is it all been for if they don't continue to do everything in effort to win with long-term success? You know, I mean, winning a few more 10, 15 more games this season uh, would be amazing. And, you know, that I guess does put you in, in a much better position, potentially division winning position, um, you know, but what does it mean if you don't re-sign Mitch Keller and he's not a part of the ball club in 2025? Uh, that's where I want to start, guys. But before uh, but before we get to this rotation, Brady, you said something there. This season could be a winner-get-fired kind of season for Ben Sherrington, for Derek Shelton. Do you believe that? I mean, do you think that this is, you know, make or break this 2024 season? That was kind of the first year that we circled when this regime took over. I think for Derek Shelton, it absolutely is. Um, I think there's a scenario where this team could finish under 500 and, and Ben Charrington still return. I don't think the odds of that are high, but I, I think if this is a, if this team doesn't doesn't win, damn, barring just incredibly awful injury luck or something, I don't see a scenario where this team goes under 500 and Derek Shelton's back. Um, I think. If they get off to a poor start, you're more likely to see Derek Shelton fired in season and survive the season. Again, and with Charrington, I, I think too that the the pressure is there. The pressure is there internally. The pressure is there externally. It's going to be year five. Um, at this point, there 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 are no more excuses. Um, so we'll see what happens. Like I said, I think if this team doesn't take another step forward, Derek Shelton is definitely fired. And I think Ben Charrington being fired is is in the discussion. It's on the table. But, um, you know, it, nothing's ever that cut and dry because, you know, if this team comes out next year and wins only 74, 75 games again, 
But O'Neill Cruz is never the same post-injury. And let's say Brian Reynolds will get hurt and it's the Pirates. So Paul Skeens needs Tommy John two months into the year. Like th- those kinds of things would factor into decision making. For sure. And it's really not a fair question to ask because it is so hypothetical and really far away here as, uh, as we're previewing the offseason. We're not I, even. I, I will say because this kind of ties into the offseason preview. If minimal moves are made this offseason and they don't improve, I think changes happen. If you make, let's say you go out and you sign a Reese Hoskins. Let's say you go out and add two or three starting pitchers. You know, you 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 add another back-end bullpen arm to go with Bednar and Majinski and Dowry Moreto and that crew. And things don't work out because guys get hurt or guys have bad years. You can live with that more than an offseason where, you know, you bring in some random guy off waivers to play first base and two reclamation projects for your starting rotation. And you claim some guy who can throw 103, but doesn't know where it's going for the bullpen and you only win 74 games. That's the kind of stuff I think that you can't live with. And I, I've kind of hinted at this of saying this off season may decide Ben Charrington's job. And that's what I meant by that is you, you've got to make the moves. You've got to make the moves to try and contend in 2024 you make the moves and they don't work out. Hey, at least the effort was there. Not everything's always going to work. If you don't make the moves and you win 74 games again, that's where I think you probably screw the pooch and potentially lose your job as a result. I think, um, you know, Shelton is definitely one of those, I believe his contract's only next year. So, well, I know he was originally only signed through this past season. I don't know if we ever got details on how long the extension was. I want to say the extension was only a one-year extension, and that's why people are like, all right, pump the brakes. Like, you know, it's, it's not that big of a deal. I might I might be wrong, but I swear I heard it was one year. And if that's the case, then, yeah, again, like he's managing for his job, right? So it's a lot easier to get rid of him this year, uh, like you said, if he gets off to a poor start or – you know, in general, like you said, maybe, maybe they, maybe they win a little more, you know, maybe they get to like, you know, 80 wins around there. Right. And it's still just like, Hey, like you said, we made a, enough moves. We thought we should have been more in the playoff picture. You know, we're going to move on from Derek, you know, that I could see that happening. Yeah. Charrington, like you said, I, I'm right there with you, Marty. It's, you know, he, he needs to to put some chips on the table this off season. He needs to, you know, bring in some pieces that, you know, suggest that he expects his team to compete. And, you know, for him, you know, and it kind of has the shell. And I want to say that he's he's probably he's a guy that's been in the business long enough that he knows. I'm sure when his time is coming. You know what I mean? So he is when he was in Boston, he got out of there before they could fire him. (laughs) He is going to do everything he can. I'm sure before he loses his job, you know, and that will include getting rid of Derek Shelton uh, to, to cover up, you know, and buy himself potentially more time, you know, into, into next off season. I, I could see that kind of taking place. Um, but I read an article the other day, you know, his, his seat needs to start warming up, you know, this off season, like Marty said, just depending on how he operates. And, you know, one thing too, I'll build off of that. Looking ahead to next year, this division will be very winnable. I mean, I think I expect Milwaukee 
I, I know I said this last offseason, but I really do expect Milwaukee to take a big step backward, um, especially with Craig Council gone. The Cardinals are a hot mess. The Reds, for as exciting as that young position player core is, they need starting pitching help. Um, you know, really, if I'm looking ahead, I might have the Cubs as the favorite to win the division right now, especially going out and after going out and adding Craig Council. Um, but it, it's going to be a very winnable division. It's not going to be an overly challenging division. It's, it's, a, it's a division where I think the Pirates could be right there in September with the right moves made this offseason, you know, because you look at the rest of the division and, you know, who in Milwaukee's lineup scares you? Nobody. Yeah, they have the pitching, but I think that's a team that's going to look a lot different on opening day. The Cardinals are a mess. Um, the Cubs have really great pitching, but there's still a lot of holes in that lineup. The Reds have almost no pitching. Um, it's it's now again a lot of those rosters could look a lot different come March, but it's it's going to be a winnable division. So I think that's a factor too. You're not in the American League East. You're not in the NL West with San Diego and Arizona and, and the Dodgers. Like this is a division that can be had. You know, you it's 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 kind of fitting because the two divisions in baseball right now that are probably the most winnable are the Centrals, both in the American League and the National League. And you you've got to act as much. You you've got to pounce. You've got to seize. And that starts this off season. Some would claim that's a negative, though. At, you know, especially on the old Twitter sphere there. Some would claim that the divisions being winnable will motivate teams not to spend because they'll be able to restrict themselves and maybe have a chance to still win. Yeah. That's the rhetoric I've saw going on on Twitter. I about mean, anybody who wants to say that, I will just simply present to you the 2023 Arizona Diamondbacks who were all present to you that it's bad for baseball. And I just can't, I can't get behind that. I can't either. either. There is nothing bad for baseball about a world series matchup of a team who's only been to the world series once a team has only been there twice in between the two of them have one world series ring. That is great for baseball because you're opening up new markets and it also should be incentive to other teams to go out and try and improve. Cause those are two teams that two years ago lost 100 games. They were two teams that last year were under 500, the diamondbacks. And I saw that too, Nick, people saying, well, the, the team who gets in is the last seed making a run to the World Series. But no, it's not. It gives you incentive to try and get into the playoffs. The Diamondbacks won 84 games and almost won the World Series. Like, like we're not that far off when you look at it in, in, yeah. in that light. But when, when you look at it, 74, 75 wins. Right. Like, it's a lot easier to get to that number than it is a 90 win. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, like in baseball, in the, the postseason is a crapshoot. You don't know what's going to happen. Look, just look at the Pirates the last time they made the playoffs in, in 2015. I would argue up and down vehemently that the Pirates were the best team in baseball, and they got knocked out in the first round because just the postseason setup. They won 98 games, were the best team in baseball, in my opinion, and went nowhere. Like. You can baseball is the one sport where you can get to the postseason and make a run. We've seen it time and time again. We just saw it this year with the 84 win Arizona team. We saw it last year with the Phillies. It can be done. That should be the, the incentive for every team. No team should ever punt in baseball because with the new postseason setup, it's not hard to sneak into the last seed and make a run. It's just crazy. These elitists and some of <laughs> 
the stuff they come up with. It's like, can you literally find any way to make this an, into a negative thing? You know, <laughs> and it's just with that too. The bad for baseball nonsense. The whole reason baseball expanded the wild card. When was it in 2011, 2012, whatever it was, was to get more markets invested in the postseason race late into the year. And that's always going to be good. Look at the, I understand the NFL is always going to be king, but look at the NFL right now. We're sitting here on November 6th. And what other than Carolina and Chicago, are there any teams who are truly out of it in the NFL? There isn't because of the three wild cards. That's going to keep fan bases and markets more invested in that no matter what the sport is having fan bases and markets invested late into the season is always going to be a good thing i think you go up and down the board with the nfl too i mean the parody that that league has created if baseball can do more of that you know this world series i think uh unfortunately is is a rarity to see the texas rangers playing the arizona diamondbacks but uh all someone say it was like bad for baseball that neither of the LA teams or New York teams were in, in the world series. And I was just like, and they were serious. It wasn't even because they were like a fan of those teams. They were saying because marketing wise, and I'm just like, that is not the freaking point. (laughs) The thing is the big thing is too, not to get off on a tangent on this, but those markets are going to watch the world series. No matter what are people in Phoenix watching the world series. If the diamondbacks aren't in it, are people in Arlington or in Fort worth watching if the Rangers aren't in it. Probably not. You know what I mean? Like that's part of what makes having those teams make those runs great is because your big markets are watching no matter what, but those markets may not be watching without their team in it. Well, their team was in it. Not even just that. This was the most invested I've been in a world series in a long time, probably since 2019 with the nationals because it was two different teams. I was glad it wasn't the freaking Astros again. I don't want to see the Dodgers there again. I don't want to see Atlanta there again. It was two teams that, as I said, combined had one World Series ring in franchise history, and I could not have been more invested in this World Series because I was excited to see somebody different win it. It was also easy as a baseball fan. It was easy to be a Pirate fan and sit here and look at these two teams who weren't very good just a few years ago. And also, like we said about the Diamondbacks, who, you know, on so many levels are similar to the Pirates in terms of market size and how they have to go about doing things and, you know, having some juggernauts ahead of them in the division. So it's easy to sit here as a Pirate fan and and be invested in that because you're hoping, hey, maybe that's going to be us next Mm -hmm. year, two years, like. Absolutely. You said here as a fan of the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Kansas City Royals, the Cleveland Guardians, whatever it might be. Yeah. And you and I know some of those aren't great examples because you know Kansas City had that World Series a few years ago and everything. But like you said here and say, you know what, that can be us. They did it, we can do it too. It's hope. It's open. It is. You know, that's bad, a, that's bad for baseball, Trey. It's only good for baseball if the World Series is the Dodgers against the Yankees. Yeah. I mean, you know, those Astros were uh over the moon last year after uh, winning another World Series uh, and another appearance there. Um, probably yeah, didn't mean a whole lot to, to, uh, to Texas this year. <laughs> uh, no, you guys said it. I mean, the Atlanta Braves, all kinds of weapons. I think they led for four innings this postseason. Pirates just have to get there. And there's a Goldilocks zone. I think it's attainable to, you know, make this roster a roster that can win this division that, that, uh, you know, can have a decent seed in the playoffs that are bigger now. Um, you know, 2015, the last time the pirates made it, 
10 teams uh, made the playoffs from each league and, um, you know, the wild card, the way it worked, obviously uh, it didn't work out that year, but um, this could be different depending on what happens this off season. Let's, uh, let's get into pitching here, gentlemen, Mitch Keller. Uh, I think we can, you know, kind of segue into that contract extension. Obviously he's the one that, uh, you know, you feel pretty good about. There was moments this year, um, you know, after the all-star break where you got those worries again, but uh pretty confident about the ace Mitch Keller, Johan Oviedo. I, uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, a lot of hope there as well. Let's talk about everything else, gentlemen, wherever you want to get it started, Marty, I'll let you go ahead here. What is the, the first thing you would do if you've been sharing to right now with uh, the arms of this organization? I mean, the first thing I'm doing right now, if I'm Ben Charrington, in terms of starting pitching this organization is I am working the phones of these agents. You know, I'm, you got. I think you don't just need to add multiple starting pitching pitchers. Excuse me. You've got to add at least one bona fide, like here on a three, four year deal kind of guy. You know, and it's the Pirates. You know, it's not going to be Aaron Nola. We're we're not going to see them get one of the big international arms. You know, it's not probably not going to be Blake Snell. But like, there's no reason you can't throw three years and 60 million of Jordan Montgomery. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it, but there's no reason they can't, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez, Marcus Stroman, one of those guys, like you can afford it. You can afford it. Please go do it. I mean, even if it doesn't have to be that, like just Michael Walker, Seth Lugo, Jack Flaherty, just, just don't, don't give me complete reclamation guys again. Cause you're not in that position anymore. Last year it worked out pre-injury Velasquez, he'll pitch pretty all right, but you need to be in a different position. You need to attack the, this offseason accordingly. You need to be looking for guys, hey, who can legitimately help me win now? Who can legitimately help this team win eight, nine, ten more games than we did last year in an effort to make the postseason? Because that's where you need to be at right now as an organization. So that's what I hope to see this offseason with the starting pitching. Rather, it's in free agency. Rather, it's via trade. You all can get two or three guys to help this rotation with at least one, if not two of them, being bona fide guys. You know, don't don't give me three Vince Velasquez this offseason, please. Yeah, I mean, those Vince Velasquez, Rich. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Kill. Those guys were signed for two reasons. One reason was the eat innings. The other reason was to get traded in July. Velasquez, you know, unfortunately, he was looking like he was going to net the Pirates something pretty nice. But 
you know, with the injury that happens, like you said, Marty, they're, they're supposed to be in a different spot. They're not supposed to be looking for guys that they are thinking about, you know, if, if they can get them good, then they'll trade them. <laughs> they should be looking at multi-year deals on veterans and, you know, it's what this team needs. Like it's, like you said, it's not just one guy. It's it's potentially two, if not three, arms. Um, you know how how you could especially make three work is like you touched on making a trade along the lines. Um, you know, may, maybe moving you know some of the current arm arms out. But you know, I hope, like you said, they are aggressive. I, I wrote an article, you know, last week, and you know. I want to talk about it a little bit. It was it was about Blake Snell, and it was about if the Pirates should entertain signing him. And it wasn't necessarily about Blake Snell, the pitcher. Okay, it was more about the the concept of should is this where the Pirates are? Should they be pursuing bigger name guys? Like, would that be the bit the a difference enough for this team? You know, we saw this team make strides last year. Okay. And you know, what we're saying here, basically Marty is all the same. Like we don't need more number, number fours, number fives. You know, we need guys who are actually going to make a difference on this team. And unfortunately the the only way to do that is to be aggressive in, in the money department and in free agency, you're not going to get those guys unless you are willing to spend. Right. And you know, I know I, you know, had Blake Snell there, but like you said, realistically, yeah, we're not going to sign Blake Snell. There's going to be a team that's going to be willing to give him more years and more money. And that's, that's going to be the case. But like you said, that shouldn't stop them from pursuing some of these guys and at least, you know, putting, putting their names in the hat for once on some of these guys and not just, you know, hoping that whoever they claim off waivers turns into that, you know, their next uh, starting pitcher. <laughs> you mean to tell me that, you know, going out and claiming Thomas Hatch and Andre Jackson and letting them start games isn't a good idea. I, I mean, some of your, some of your, 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 uh, your Twitter elitist that you mentioned spent six weeks telling me how Andre Jackson should be in the starting rotation next year. Cause he had a couple of good starts. I'm just saying, listen, Andre Jackson can stick around. That is fine, <laughs> but they better add someone that it's a couple people in front of him. <laughs> if, if Andre Jackson is in this opening day starting rotation, I might be ready to punt on the season when they go to Miami on March 28th. I'm trying to think that that would, yeah, he needs to be like the long guy in the bullpen. <laughs> and here's the thing. Long guy in the bullpen is going to be Ron Contreras because he's out of options and they're not going to give up on him. They're also not going to start him in the rotation. So that swing man is going to be Ronzi Contreras. Man, let's hope he can throw a fastball. Is that a problem? <laughs> it's not going to matter if he's fastball still five miles per hour. I know it's not going to matter. I'm just telling you now. That's how it's going to be. They're not going to give up on him yet. He doesn't have options. There's no way on earth he starts the year in the rotation. Ronzi Contreras will be the swing man when the season starts. Hey, don't roll that out. <laughs> the rotation. You know what? Don't rule that out. <laughs> I'm not entirely opposed to that. I mean, there was let's start against Los Angeles, gentlemen. I mean, come on. There's 
Um, we we got better internally this off season. Oh, I can hear it now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, can, I can. I can. I can hear it. <laughs> JT yeah. Brubaker's yeah. elbows better than ever. <laughs> <laughs> He's Let's say they harder than ever. We got O'Neill Cruz back. O'Neill's ready to contribute to this team. When Priester went to some outside, until just now, I legitimately forgot Quinn Priester existed. <laughs> <laughs> and then Eddie Yin gets called up in uh, early June, and uh, it's still, the what Pirates if, are on pace for 115 losses. If uh, Let's say they bring Andre Jackson north. He's in the starting rotation, but Paul Skeens is also there. Is that an acceptable scenario to you, gentlemen? Or is that no? <laughs> There's sure. no acceptable scenario for Andre Jackson to be in the team's starting rotation on opening day. None. All right. So the team's on the way to the game. <laughs> There's a traffic jam at the Fort Pitt tunnels. <laughs> Mitch uh, can't get to the game on time. Andre, oh, no. At least he'll go out there and throw hard and cuss people out. <laughs> well, maybe uh, maybe Mitch Keller's busy getting a contract extension done or something. What is the likelihood that we see a Mitch Keller contract extension this offseason? Nick, uh, I know you're, you're passionate about it. You had it at number two there. Do you think it happens realistically before the start of 2024? Realistically, I, I actually do think it, it could happen. I think they're, you know, like I said, the fact that they are talking about this, it seemed like several times last year. Um, you know, I think Keller seems like this is where he wants to be. He knows how much time and effort that he has put into the organization and, and vice versa. And, you know, the organization kind of, you know, sticking by him and, you know, instead of just shipping him out, you know, like we saw the previous regime do with some pitchers, um, you know, so I, I think he definitely wants to stay here. And I, I think where he's at in his career and when you look at the big picture of his numbers and, you know, I, I, I think that they could get a realistic deal done still with him too. And when I say realistic, I should say an affordable deal. He's got two years of team control left. You give him an extension, say four or five years, probably right. You, you got those two years, you buy out of arbitration, then you got him for another two to three years. Maybe you go four years with an option for a five, but you know, I think you can get him in and you know, you're, you're probably going to, you're going to have to pay him a chunk of change. You know, he's probably going to be the highest paid player on the team. Um, you know, maybe not as, you know, in terms of overall contract with Reynolds being in the 106, but in the short term, the average annual salary, I could see him, you know, being pushing up around 15 million a year, which honestly would probably be a bargain given the actual, market but again i think you know if you're talking a, a five-year extension 75 million something like that i think uh, keller would be more than happy to take that yeah you know i i think you made a good point that the in terms of total money he's not going to get more than brian reynolds did largely due to the years and the age and that sort of thing but with aav like it's probably going to take 15 16 million and I, i'm with you that that would still be a bargain, um, you know, just scrolling through some predictions on MLB trade rumors for guys this offseason, like Seth Lugo 
who I think we all agree Mitch Keller is better than Seth Lugo. They're predicting Seth Lugo to get $14 million a year. Like if, if that's the going rate, $14 million a year for a guy like Seth Lugo, you're, you're looking at 15, 16, even 17 million for Keller as being team friendly. It, it really is. Jack Flaherty, a guy we've talked a lot about potentially being a very good fit for the Pirates. Um, they're projecting him at 13 million, and Flaherty essentially didn't pitch in 2022 due to injuries. And by the end of the season last year, wasn't in Baltimore's rotation. So, you know, I think that 15 to 17 million here to probably take to get Keller would be very team friendly. But, yeah, I I agree with you. I think Keller wants to be here. I also think that there is something to be said about them not giving up on him. Um, you know, everybody knows I, I think Neil Huntington overall did a very good job as Pirates general manager. But one of his biggest mistakes was giving up on Tyler Glass now the way he did. And, you know, to Ben Sheridan's credit, he very easily could have done that with Mitch Keller. He could have very easily Tyler Glass now to Mitch Keller, and he didn't. And now the Pirates are reaping the benefits of it. So, uh, yeah, you would love to see something get done this offseason between the two. Yeah, just to touch on that, I, I really was at one point convinced they were going to move on from Mitch Keller because because of something you kind of just said, Mitch Keller was a Neil Huntington guy. He wasn't a, a Ben Charrington guy. And we saw Charrington kind of purge a lot of the Huntington players out of the organization so i you know i think the fact that keller started to you know show something definitely obviously helped with that but you know i that was a question at one point was if you know like you said if they were going to jettison him pretty quickly yeah and that's a valid point because i mean i think what reynolds and keller are the only guys on the 40 man who were on the 40 man when charrington got here I, mean, I know like Hayes and Cruz, for example, are already in the organization, obviously, but I'm pretty certain Keller and Reynolds are the only two left from the original 40 man that Ben Charrington inherited. And I mean, yeah, it's been, but it'll be, this will be the fifth off season. Yeah, it'll be, yeah. He got hired in November of 19. So, you know, it's been going on, going on to season five now, but still, I think that just kind of speaks volumes also to, not necessarily where the 40-man roster was at because obviously it wasn't in a terrible spot, but it speaks volumes to Ben Charrington's desire to move those guys out and get his guys in here. And the two that stuck around are Reynolds and Keller, one of which has already gotten the largest contract in franchise history, and the other one who, if an extension gets done, is definitely going to be the largest contract ever given to a pitcher because what is it right now? The three years of 45 they gave to Liriano when they yeah. sent him? So, yeah. I mean, he's definitely going to get – if an extension is done, it's going to be more than 3 and 45. No I doubt believe that's their, their biggest free agent contract too, isn't it? Was it was that was that a – yeah, because that was a free agent because he, he was here on a one-year deal. So, yeah. Right? He, uh, and they signed him back. Yeah. So, yeah, it was. It was the biggest free agent contract. We got into some argument with someone back in the day about that. Oh, we did. They're like, they re-signed later on. We're like, no, no, he was a free agent. Free agent, yep. <laughs> oh, God, those are the days. It's, uh, yeah, you know, I think. I Martinez didn't work out. <laughs> and three, uh, I think it was three for 45. Um, extremely fair deal at the time. I think four for, for 60, maybe five for $75 million would be a steal for Mitch Keller. Um, JT Brubaker, was he 
Neil Huntington or, or is he newer to you? Like, Brubaker didn't make his major league debut until 2020. He was not on the 40 man roster. I'd say 40 man. The organization was yeah. not on the 40 man roster though when Sherrington took over. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts on JT Brubaker as we kind of wrap it up here on the rotation? Uh, kind of forgot to touch on him there out of the top. Where are we at, gentlemen, with JTB? I mean, Nick, you just threw your hands up, and that's about perfect because you just you don't know. You don't know post Tommy John what, which is unfortunate because I think Brubaker had a really good 2022 season. It was probably going to take another step forward in 23. And I think had Brubaker not gotten hurt, this team may have been pushing 80 wins by the end. I really do think that. But um, yeah, you don't know post Tommy John. You really don't know. And I, I think. The, the biggest thing the Pirates need to avoid is going into the offseason thinking they can count on JT Brubaker to be part of this rotation next year. Because he very well may be, but you you don't you you can't count on that. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Marty. And Brubaker himself, you know, he there's a lot to like about him. We we know, you know, when he's on, he has some of the best stuff on, on the staff. So, you know, like you said, post Tommy John, it's it's no guarantees. Um I, you know, but I, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I, I really do hope he he comes back and can be a part of this rotation. Because like you said, Marty, I, I think this was going to be a good year for him. I think this was going to be kind of that breakout year um, in a way for him, you know, where you could slowly start to see him putting it together. I don't want to say like Joe Musgrove, because obviously Musgrove goes on to get paid $100 million. And, you know, I'm not saying Brew Baker was going to do that, but it kind of reminded me of that trajectory that Musgrove took where you could see like the numbers maybe weren't great, but you could see in his performances, like this, the steps he was taking forward in that improvement. So, you know, it'd be, I really hope he can get back on the mound. And I hope there's, you know, we haven't really heard much. I don't think, at least I haven't seen much on him. So I, you know, I'm hoping the whole no, no news is good news type thing with that, you know, but we'll have a clearer picture, I'm sure. Maybe around Fan Fest, maybe we'll get some answers, uh, you know, around then. Yeah. Gonna be interesting. I, I feel like he's always kind of forgotten, but um, easily. Could be part of this rotation for at least a little bit here in 2024. Uh, let's let's move to the black hole. I think is what we're what we're going to call it. First base. Um, it's been a problem for a long time. Uh, you know, you you look back at certain moments, even with Will Craig, uh, certain players that haven't worked out as well since since John Jaso. What do the Pittsburgh Pirates do this offseason to address first base? The the easy solution is for them to put Jared Triolo there and try to allow him to be an everyday first baseman. Um, internally, you know, they don't have a ton of options. They're not going to put Henry Davis there. Uh, Andy is going to be catching. Mason Martin cannot hit, so quit bringing him up. <laughs> um, you know. God, please, for the love of God, people, stop talking about Mason Martin. Like you might as well just bring Lando back. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but, you know, so I, they definitely need to to go external on this. And, I, you know, I'll let Marty kind of take this because I know he's pretty, pretty invested with this being his number two ranking of importance here. Yeah. Um, Reese Hoskins, Reese Hoskins, Reese Hoskins, Reese Hoskins. I don't care what you've got to pay. Go get him. He's the best first baseman on the market. You're probably going to get him a little bit of a discount because he's coming off the torn ACL. Um, he is a bona fide 
you can stick him in the heart of your lineup. Just go make it happen. That's that's the easy answer to me. It's not Jared Triolo. To me, the easy answer is Reese Hoskins. That said, it's the Pittsburgh Pirates, so it won't be Reese Hoskins. But you look around, Justin Turner makes a lot of sense. Also, you probably get him on a one-year $12, $13 million deal. Um, gives this lineup a right-handed bat that they really need, which is another reason why I like Hoskins. I think Brandon Belt also makes sense, as does a reunion with Carlos Santana. But, um, you know, with Belt, left-handed hitter, this lineup really needs another right-handed hitter, especially right-handed hitter with power. Um, but, yeah, th- those would be my guys. Hoskins, probably in that order, Hoskins, Turner, Belt, Santana, one of those four, if you assume you go free agency. Um, but, yeah, I, just, I think it's a golden opportunity for Reese Hoskins, too, because you could throw a four- or five-year deal at him Bring him in here not just to be your first baseman, not just to probably be your cleanup hitter, but to be a leader in this clubhouse. You know, assuming McCutcheon's back, because I, I assume Kutch will be back, him and Hoskins together can can be the veterans leading the clubhouse, the guys with the postseason experience. In Hoskins' case, the guy with World Series experience. Um, yeah, to me, you, you do whatever it takes to get Reese Hoskins here as your first baseman. And if not Hoskins, like I said, I like Justin Turner. I like Brandon Belt. I like the idea of a reunion with Carlos Santana. But I'm all in on Reese Hoskins. All in on Reese Hoskins. It would be great. I just I, – I think you said it. It's the Pirates. Probably unrealistic. Uh, would be a lot of fun, though. And, you know, I think that's the most telling player out of any creation. Jersey's back out. <laughs> What's that? I said, let's be honest. Get your Carlos Santana jersey's yeah. back out. You ready to listen to Greg Brown try and sing on broadcast some more than gets a big hit? <laughs> it's uh yeah, probably Carlos Santana's most likely, but um, you know, I think Reese Hoskins is that guy. If uh if they were to make that move, it's like okay, they're all in on 24. Um, you know, is there internally and, and you know, we'll wait to to preview the uh the upcoming season, obviously way closer to that. And we'll have spring training and all that before, you know, we get to start to talking about what this roster on opening day is going to look like, but, you know, I guess percentage wise, what's a higher chance they go out, you know, they sign one of those five guys that you named there, Marty, or they go with an internal option at this point. What's more likely. I mean, I honestly, I don't see any way they go internal at first base. If there was any chance of them going internal at first base, they would not have put Alfonso Rivas on waivers. Um, I think that signaled they plan to add somebody. The question becomes how and where. I mean, you look at last offseason, they brought in two guys for the position. Um, So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Excuse me, but I I do not. I'll be stunned. I'll be stunned if it's not. They can't be in turn. They don't don't have a first baseman on the roster. There's not a single first baseman on the 40-man roster. They don't have any first baseman in the upper minors. They they have no, there are no first baseman in this organization. They cannot be internal. They have to go find a first baseman who did not play for the Pittsburgh Pirates or in the Pittsburgh Pirates organization last year. There is no internal option. I got three. Aaron Shackleford. <laughs> Every time I hear the Aaron Shackleford, anyone mentioned Aaron Shackleford, and anyone's a King of the Hill fan will appreciate this. I think of Rusty Shackleford. That is exactly where my mind goes. I think of Andrew Lambo. <laughs> I'm gonna go that for Andrew Lambo's up there with you know what's his face, the 80 year old guy last year. Maggie is my least favorite pirate of all time. So I'm not far it was it was so unwarranted, Marty. I mean, that was uh that was a tough take. 
second base uh, is, you know, an interesting position as we enter 2024, as we enter this offseason and, um, you know, look at what this is going to be. And, you know, I think you guys both had it right in that, that number four slot there. Um, that's kind of where I think that this issue stands. It's not, uh, you know, a gaping hole like from space. It's not, you don't feel dire like you do about the rotation, um, you know, about some other things. Second base, uh, you have options. And, um, you know, Nick, you were a menace this year. You were the, the hottest gambler in the world when it came to taking players at home running a game. My trip to Pittsburgh, our first in-person show, uh, we had two Peter Marcano that day. You put the curse on him. He will no longer be an option for the Pirates at second base this season. That's Hit the right. decline after that. Uh, but some other some other guys stepped up. Uh, Jared Triolo, um, you know, just an exciting end of this year, an exciting player to, to see come up and, um, you know, pass up to Capita and some of these other guys. Let's get to second base. Uh, what are your thoughts on, generally on, on what the Pirates are going to do with second base this offseason? Yeah, um, I, I, I think they don't really address it. I mean, they may add like a utility guy just because you're going to need one on your bench. But I, I think between Leover Paguero, Nick Gonzalez, and Jared Triolo, we see them give the job to one of those guys or, or B, G1 Bay as, as well, um, maybe by committee. I right now would roll with Triolo. I think Triolo of that group has the highest ceiling. He's the best defender of the bunch. He's going to get on base the most of that group. He doesn't have a lot of power, but he's your best defensive option. He's going to get on base the most. He's a good contact hitter. Um, I think Paguero can be a very good just utility bench guy in the majors. And then I don't think Nick Gonzalez nor Juan Bay are major league quality hitters or even close in Bay's category. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think we see an external addition just because – I mean, just because you have internal options doesn't mean it's good either. Pirates second baseman were 28th or worse than baseball last year, basically every single category offensively and defensively. But, um, yeah, like I said, I think I would roll with Triolo. I think he's the highest ceiling of the group. Um, I think he probably also has the has the uh, highest floor of the group. So I would roll with him, have Paguero's utility guy in G1 Bay. Nick Gonzalez can I'd go to AAA or go somewhere else. I don't care. I don't, I'm not interested in either of those guys. Yeah, those stink. <laughs> they do, and uh, it's probably likely there. Before your laptop dies, I know we're, we're running out here. I want your thoughts on Andrew McCutcheon because I know you had it at number two, yeah. uh, maybe three. I, I think – I think Kutch is back. I really do. I think it's going to be similar to Roger Clemens end of his career with, with, with Houston. As long as he wants one year deal, it's going to be there to be had. I really do. Um, the reason I put it where I did is because if he's not back, that impacts. Do you need to go get a designated hitter? Does Henry Davis move to DH? You need to go find a right fielder. Um, I would assume that Kutch is back and him and Davis kind of split right field and DH duties. And I also think if Kutch is back, that impacts your lineup some because I think they're still – he might be your best option to bat leadoff because last year he still got on base at a huge clip. I mean, it was his best offensive season since, what, I think 2019. I think there's still a lot of gas in that tank. I really do. So I hope and expect McCutcheon to be back. Um, I'll be very disappointed. If Andrew McCutcheon's playing in 2024 and it's not with the Pirates, I'll be very disappointed. Um, I, I just I don't see a scenario where he plays next year and it's not in Pittsburgh. And, again, the reason I ranked it as high as I did is because if he is back, him and Davis are going to split up right field and designated hitter. If he's not, then you need to add somebody for at least one of those positions. Do you go out and add another outfielder and have Davis DH? Do you have Davis play right field and find a designated hitter? Regardless of what you do, you'd have to get it figured out. Then. Second base. Um, I, I'm pretty much with him. I think it's, it's Paguero or Triolo. I do think it's 
I, I have it the other way around. I have Paguero as the starting second baseman. I think Paguero has a higher ceiling, definitely the lower floor. I think, um, you know, in terms of just that speed power combination that Paguero can have, you know, it's easy to dream on that. But in terms of Triolo, he's the safer pick. I just think that they like Triolo's defensive versatility, and I don't think they're going to want to lock him in at one spot. Piguero, yeah, he could be a utility guy, but you know, for most of his career, he's been a second baseman or a shortstop. Triola has played a lot of different positions throughout his career. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. And, you know, in terms of Bay and Gonzalez, you know, Bay obviously gets a little bit of the benefit because of the outfield play. Um, you know, it's kind of what I hit on earlier in the show. It's it, you know, if if this team is going to make a trade, a significant deal, you know, Nick Gonzalez might might have to be, you know, one of those key pieces in that trade. And, you know, at this point, I think we should be okay with that because of the depth and what we've seen. Okay, but, you know, it's that's kind of my thing here and why I think this is an off-season topic is because, like Marty said, it kind of – will be very suggestive of what they plan on doing at other positions, um, you know, depending on how they operate around some of those internal options they have right now. Yeah, it's well said. Um, you know, it would be special for a lot of reasons to to see him return for at least one more season. Um, but you kind of said at the beginning there, Nick, it's it's up to Kutch at this point. What he wants to do, he's going to do it. So uh, let's hope he's a Pittsburgh Pirate in 2024. But we will have to see as this offseason continues. Uh, as we begin to wrap it up here, let's talk about what's most likely. I think we we talked about generally throughout the episode what is best for the Pirates and some of it, you know, what we would like to see happen the most. What is the most likely scenario? And we touched on a lot of this as well, but uh, you know, let's go to MLB trade rumors. Nick, I know you had uh, a few names we talked about before we started recording that they listed out um, in an article. Who is trending to the pirates as far as MLB trade rumors go is there anybody uh that you think is realistic on this list yeah so MLBTR they they put out they put out like two big lists every offseason that are you know can't miss they put out their arbitration estimations which are always you know pretty spot on if not they're right you know around the ballpark of what's expected and then, you know, the other is the, their free agent predictions. And, you know, it, predictions, obviously, you know, how many are they really getting right in the grand scheme of things? I'm not even sure. But they're always kind of thinking along the same lines at the very least, you know, when they're talking about positions and guys that would make sense. You know, and in an exciting name, and we talked about it that is at the top of that list for them, linked to the Pirates, would be uh, Jack Flaherty. Um, Flaherty, you know, very familiar to Pirate fans, pitched for the Cardinals for years, was their ace at one point, traded to the Orioles last year, a little bit of a, a bumpy time in Baltimore, but you know, that's the AL East for you. So, you know, a guy like Jack Flaherty. Makes a lot of sense for the Pirates for a lot of different reasons. You know, he he adds that veteran pitcher, the affordability that he could possibly have on. I think Marty said they're projecting him at about 13 a year, which should be more than affordable for the Pirates. 
and you know his familiarity with the the division is always you know a a positive and could work in the Pirates' favor. You know if that's something after getting a taste of the AL East, he might want to come back to the AL Central. So. Yeah, I think he he makes a lot of sense. He's on that list of of the guys that they listed. You know, he's someone I would definitely, you know, say go for it. Um, Another guy they had on there was Kevin Kiermaier. Um, You know, this would go, I guess, with the idea of Davis going more into the DH catching role and um, Sawinski shifting over to right field, Kiermaier playing center. I don't see it. Kiermaier has played, you know, meaningful playoff baseball most of his career in the American League. Um, He's a defensive first center fielder. He's over the age of 30 at this point. I just, it doesn't really, to me, make a ton of sense for the Pirates. I get it on paper. It might, you know, in terms of getting a, a proven center fielder, but to me, he doesn't really move the needle for this team. And especially at the the dollar figure they're talking about, I think they're projecting him around 13 a year also. So that, um, you know, again, while I disagree, not, you know, with their logic in this sense, um, it does, I'm sorry, not with their logic. I disagree with the player, but I agree with their logic. You know, it, it makes sense. They do need an outfielder. They could definitely look to add a more proven, you know, center fielder. If you know that the right deal comes along, I just don't think Kiermaier is that guy, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I like that, uh, you know, on the circus. Hernandez could be. Who's that? Tay Oscar Hernandez. He didn't get a qualifying offer. You know, now there's a guy who, who makes a difference to your lineup that, mm-hmm. okay, then, you know. What, what, do you think, what do you think the number looks like there, though? Um, You know, like I said, the fact that he doesn't get the, the qualifying offer is very interesting because that kind of puts him, you know, at the um, below the 20 mil a year mark. So MLBTR has him at four years, 80 million. So that'd be. 20 million a year. Um, Do that. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, you might be able to get that slightly below that. Um, You know, there's, it's not like there's not question marks around him. He does strike out a lot. He's not exactly the most gifted defender, but you know, at the same time, these are the, these, these are the type of guys the Pirates should be in on. And, you know, again, is he a little rich for what they probably are going to be looking to spend? Yeah. But you know, it's time. We got to get into some of these guys. Have to. And that, you know, I mean, you have depth at that point. You really do lock down. Um, something that maybe wasn't uh, even in our top five uh, things to worry about this offseason, but it is something that you can feel uber secure about. And, uh, you know, you really had that power about. And you show that that you're serious when you the do something. The fact that he doesn't get that qualifying offer, too, is interesting. lets the Pirates in that market if they want to be. Um, so back to the list. So another guy who makes a lot of sense, Sean Manaya. He's he's been a guy that you know people wanted the pirates to take a flyer on him last offseason as he was a free agent. You know, former top prospect has had some really good years with Oakland, um, battled some injuries collegiately, and then you know, 
during his time with Oakland and he kind of, you know, his stuff took a little bit of a step back, but he had a nice bounce back year with, with the giants last year. And, you know, he's probably looking for a more, you know, long-term contract. And again, MLBTR has him at about 11 million a year, which is very doable for the pirates and the pirates are in a position where they can afford to give him that extra year. If they want to, you know, outbid another team, um, they don't have a lot of long-term contracts. They need pitching. So giving a pitcher an extra year isn't exactly the worst thing for them to do anyhow. And we know how the pirates operate. If it comes to it, they'll trade them away. And, you know, so that extra year might not matter. I'm saying that in not necessarily a sarcastic, negative way. Uh, but so Manaya being a lefty, though, I mean, he just checks a lot of boxes for the Pirates. If they brought him, him and Flaherty, that would be like two, the two types of pitchers Marty's talking about. Would we like a guy like Jordan Montgomery? You know, those guys are in that maybe slightly higher tier, sure. But you know, if we can at least get like guys like that, it's, it's suggestive to what they're trying to do. Yeah. Give us something. And I think, you know, you look back to last off season and it wasn't perfect, but you felt so confident coming out of that. Cause it's like, all right, they're, you know, they're doing the things that they needed to do to move the needle a little bit forward and, uh, you know, keep this, this rebuild, whatever you want to call it. Um, finally give some hope to a, a 2023 season that, saw a hot start, you know, that had a Pirates team uh, at 20 and eight at one point, 12 games over. Um, yeah, some ups and downs throughout the season. But uh, I, I think as we enter this offseason, um, I kind of want to ask you, Nick, did you imagine the Pirates to be in this position when Ben Sherrington got to town? Uh, as they enter this offseason, um, you know, do you think that they are relatively on track with what they're trying to do? And how significant is that offseason, is this offseason to, to all of that? Yeah, I mean, I think they are right on track. I think when he got hired, we we talked a lot about the year 2023. And while 2023 wasn't playoff contention, it, it still gave us a lot of, okay, yeah, this fr- franchise seems to be heading in the right direction. We had a couple of really bad years. Okay. They told us be patient. You know, things will start to get better. It did. So let's continue. Like you said, to build on that. Um, to me, like if you're Ben Charrington, like everything's going according to your timeline, your plan, probably when you got hired at this point. So, you know, hopefully, you know, he continues on, like you said, and, you know, brings in some of these guys we're talking about. It's going to be fun to watch this offseason. Um, we'll, of course, update the wish list and expectation of what this offseason is going to be as we get further into it here. Uh, Nick, as we begin to wrap it up here, uh, your final thoughts. And I wanted to ask, too, um, you know, by the end of it, after uh, months of commercials and um, you know, all kinds of propaganda, were you brainwashed into believing that the clock rules are a good thing for baseball? Yeah, I mean, they didn't need to brainwash me. Um, you know, I loved it right from the get-go. I thought it was, you know, great for the game. And, you know, people were worried about the impact it might have on the postseason. But, you know, I don't think anyone even really thought of it much. You know, it's, 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 it became so normalized so quickly because of those those 
propaganda commercials. The NFL's running something like this right now, too. I'm oh. trying to think what it is. <laughs> it was... Oh, no, it's the NHL on ESPN. ESPN's running these commercials about, like, how, oh, like, are players better than ever? Is offense better than ever? Is defense? And it's like, everything's better. And it's like, so the NHL must be better. And it's just like, <laughs> Oh, okay. Thanks. Thank you for determining that for me. <laughs> You're making some really good points. Wow. So much psychology behind yeah. stuff, right? But no, I, yeah. Um, you know, I think just be ready. You know, last year the Pirates made a trade pretty early to get G-Man Choi from the Rays. We've seen them actively clearing the 40-man roster out. So I, it's one of those things like I'm not trying to get excited by any means about what this off season can hold. Cause we all know like what the winter meetings hold and how a lot of the times that's when things get done or after that. But, you know, I could definitely see the pirates trying to be aggressive and get out in front of some of these other teams, especially if they have, you know, specific guys that are prioritizing. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, and I think you've, in certain cases, probably get better deals with some of these guys. If you do go ahead and uh, and get it done, uh, we will see. We'll see with Mitch Keller if they get something done there as well. The contract extension. Um, this was a, a crazy season. It's going to be a really fun off season. Hopefully, a really fun twenty twenty four. We're going to be uh, you know joining you throughout the off season. Going to look to have a lot of guests this off season. Bring on you know a bunch of our staff writers. Get their thoughts. Get you guys um, you know introduced to them and uh, you, know, you, you read their articles. Take in so much of their content. Want to get them into the podcast. Uh, have some other exciting guests throughout the off season as well. Uh, but until next time, for Marty Lee, Nick Caparoso. My name is Trey Kennedy. Two thousand and twenty three, twenty four off season. Uh, here let's see what it holds for the pittsburgh pirates have a, a great week everybody and uh you heard at the top of the show let's remove the pirates without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.